God in prayer. Father, as we come to the reading of Your Word and the preaching of Your Word, we ask that You would enlighten us. That Your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to what You have to say there. We recognize that what is said in Your Word is perfectly clear. And there is no doubt about it. But our understanding of that Word can never equal its absolute purity. So, Father, help us to see in this passage of Scripture what you have to say to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, if, if, you, continue, if you can continue to stand, if you need to sit down, do so. Uh, Genesis chapter 32. I'm not going to read the whole chapter while you stand. I, uh, one of those things, again, about the service, that it, it didn't cross my mind that you'd have to be standing through this entire chapter being read. So what I'd like to do is read to you the latter part of the chapter, the part that uh, my sermon will be primarily based upon. Beginning with verse 22 there in Genesis chapter 32. Speaking of Jacob here. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had. And Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob named the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Thus ends the reading 
of God's word. Please be seated. I told my pastor back in Sterling, Kansas that I was going to preach on this text. And he said, that, that's a rather difficult text. And uh, I said, well, I wish I'd talked to you ahead of time. <laughs> uh, this is often seen as a difficult text. It is rather strange. This idea of wrestling with God. I grew up in a, in a family with five sisters, no brothers. So as a child, I really didn't have that much opportunity to wrestle anybody. I think those of you who had brothers probably know what I'm talking about in terms of having that experience of getting involved in, in wrestling matches. Young men tend to do that. It's interesting that this particular verb in Hebrew only occurs here in this passage in Genesis. There's another passage in the English that talks about wrestling, but it, it's, uh, it's, a different, it's a different verb. And, and the root of this verb to wrestle is the word for dust. And I found that fascinating. It means to wrestle, to grapple, to get dusty, or to be dust. And I couldn't help but think of the English term that we have for a dust-up. Ever heard that? A dust-up, when you really get into it with somebody? That's not always a physical confrontation, but... It's a real picture of what went on here with Jacob. And, and Jacob comes to realize here, we see so very clearly there in verse 30, that this man that he wrestles with is God. And I cannot help but believe on the basis of that that this is a pre-incarnate appearance of the eternal Son of God, the one whom we call Jesus. There, there are several places in the Old Testament which I believe this occurs. Initially, when Jacob gets into this fight, he sees a man, and he believes the one that he is fighting with is a man. He would have no reason to believe otherwise. But as he goes on in this fight, he comes to realize that he is dealing with God. 
How does he come to this point? If we look back in Genesis here, we see the account of what happened in Jacob's life. Jacob's name is not a compliment. It means a supplanter. It means someone who's trying to take someone else's place. And I think sometimes when brothers fight, the younger one is trying to get the advantage because he resents the elder having that superior position of being older. Jacob and Esau wrestled, in a sense, in their mother's womb as twins. And their mother was told by God that the elder would serve the younger. Jacob, one day providing food for his brother, who said he was famished and he was about to die, made a deal with him and said, well, I'll, I'll give you this if you'll give me your birthright. And we're told that Esau said yes. And God says of that, that Esau despised his birthright. And that Esau later sought to repent with tears and yet found no place of repentance. What happens later is that it comes time for Isaac to bless Esau and Jacob, along with his mother, plans this deceit, disguising himself as his older brother and receiving the blessing. And Esau discovers this. And Esau is absolutely furious and the family is convinced that Esau is going to kill Jacob. And so Jacob is sent away to his uncle's house, long distance away. And a sad consequence of this conniving between Jacob and his mother is that Jacob will never see his mother again. When he returns to the land, his father's still there, his brother's still living. But they never saw each other in this life again. So Jacob goes there and he ends up with two wives and 11 children that are mentioned here. And all kinds of wealth. God blessed him in a wonderful way while he was there. 
But then God brought a message to him. Chapter 28. In verses 13 and 15. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That's what Jacob was given as a promise when he, as he was leaving. He was on his way fleeing from his brother. And then in chapter 31... And verse 3, we have this. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Jacob had been given a wonderful promise there from God. And it was on the basis of that promise that he was headed back to the land. But he was also very fearful of his brother, Esau. As a matter of fact, he sent messengers to Esau. And the messengers came back with this report. Chapter 32, verse 6. The messengers returned to Jacob saying... We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. That, that doesn't sound like a friendly greeting party, does it? Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And so he came up with a plan where he would, where he would divide his his children, his wives, his possessions into two troops, two separate camps, with the hope that if Esau comes and attacks one of the camps, at least the other can get away. Now you might wonder at that point, is he trusting God? There are some commentaries on this passage that will tell you that there was a lack of faith on his fault part, but he was thinking in terms of what he had learned about Esau coming, but he had confidence that some had to escape in order for God's promise to be fulfilled. And as a matter of fact, in verse 9 here in chapter 32, 
we have Jacob's prayer. O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. Jacob decides he's going to try to appease his brother by sending him a lot of cattle. It's interesting that later, when he does arrive and meet his brother, Esau greets him warmly. It's as if there were some truth to that time heals all wounds. I don't believe that, but, but it does sometimes. Jacob, I don't think, was expecting that at all, that, that Esau would, would come up to him and grab him and hug him and kiss him and cry tears. In seeing his long lost brother. But Jacob has done all that he can do. And verse 24 tells us and Jacob was left alone. You ever have one of those nights when you can't sleep before a big occasion? With the anticipation of it, he, was not, he did not know how well he would be received by his brother. And, and he's spending a sleepless night alone. And right there, he's confronted by a man who takes him on in a wrestling match. Something you need to know about Jacob. When Jacob fled from his brother, he was probably about my age. I'm 75 years old. That's kind of amazing, someone my age, marrying two wives. Not, that's not my plan, but you know, someone marrying two wives and having 11 children. But when Jacob was coming here at this time, he would have been in his 90s. 
And, and he's, he's wrestling with this man. And, and, and they, were, they were wrestling until the break of day. Till the sun was starting to come up. And we're told in verse 25, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, the wrestling match itself, Jacob wasn't losing it at that point. Now, he wasn't winning it either. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that he was winning this match, but he wasn't losing the match. But the one who was wrestling with him touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Fight's over, right? No. Jacob is still holding on because Jacob has come to realize something about this man that he's wrestling with. This is not just any man. And the one with whom he is wrestling says, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob was not going to give in and, and as we say, say uncle, he was not going to give in until he got a blessing because he knew that the one that he was wrestling with could bless him in a wonderful way. Now, did Jacob have any idea what the blessing would be? I don't think so. Because the man's immediate question to Jacob is, what's your name? Now, did he ask Jacob that because he didn't know Jacob's name? I don't think so. I believed he asked him that precisely to get him to say it out loud. Jacob, the supplanter, the one who had deceived. And he says to him after he says he's Jacob, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Israel. This is how the people of Israel got their name. And we have that name as well. If you believe in Jesus Christ and trust in Him, He has given you the name Israel.
It's interesting that Jacob asks for the man's name and the reply is, why is it that you ask my name? I believe in a sense that means you don't need to know. But he does bless him. And Jacob recognizes then and there that he has seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose. And Israel limped. And good Orthodox Jews to this day do not eat that portion of meat that was on the thigh in remembrance of what happened to Jacob. Have you ever wrestled with God? You know, you you might think when you hear that, the idea of wrestling with God would be something wrong to do. Why would I fight God? Shouldn't I trust God? Jacob trusted God. And yes, indeed, we should trust Him. When I was young, I was enamored of something I heard one time. I I thought it sounded good to me. Because I had struggled in my relationship with God. And someone told me that the simple solution, always beware of the simple solutions, was to let go and let God. You probably all have heard that at one time or another. And I'm not saying that everyone who says that means what I'm going to share with you. Because some people think of that as trust God. And and trust God to take care of the situation. That's fine. But, But the phrase itself actually suggests a passivity. That in other words, the problem is that you're fighting it. And if you just quit fighting it, then everything will be great. This phrase in particular was popularized by those who teach a notion that believers can come to a point spiritually in their lives where they no longer sin. In this life? Hmm. Don't believe it. We are not called to a passive relationship with God. Now, does this mean, on the other hand, that somehow we are God's equal in the fight? No. And who's going to win in the end? 
always God. But somehow God wants us to put up a fight. I won't go into all the details of it, but if you'll read the book of Job, that's probably the longest wrestling match in the Bible. And Job, in the end, is honored by God. But Job comes to the same kind of conclusion that that Jacob expressed here in verse 10 of chapter 32 in his prayer when he said, I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. And Job in the end, though he does not get the answer to all of his questions, he is pleased that he knows God. This evening I'll be looking at uh, Jesus' prayer in the garden where he prays to the Father and says, not my will, but your will be done. And, And I believe that too is a wrestling match. That it is not wrong to struggle with what appears to be God's will for our lives. But in the end, we must recognize His sovereignty. I had a philosophy professor at Geneva College who gave us an illustration one time that I found fascinating. He says, God wants you to hold on to him tight. And and you would think if someone was giving that kind of a message, it would sound like someone who was into the, the free will and you make your decisions and you determine everything. But that wasn't his point of his illustration at all. He said, Holding on to God is is like... Have you ever walked across the street with a little child and and you've got a good grip on their hand? Okay? You're not going to let go. They know you've got a good grip on their hand, don't they? And yet some of those little kids will dig in so tight on your fingers that it hurts. And our professor told us that's what God wants you to do to him. If if you belong to Jesus Christ, he tells us that you are in the Father's hand. And no one... and, And I point out to those who imagine that they can lose their salvation, no one, that includes you, can take you from the Father's hand. But just because you're in the Father's hand doesn't mean you lie back passively and let life go. 
Get a grip. Hold on. Don't be satisfied with just a nice, even path with no problems. Recognize that there are situations in life where God has given us wonderful promises. And then He has presented us with circumstances that really challenge those promises. But that promise is just as real as the circumstances. And, and God will accomplish His purposes. And Jacob recognized that. He had a reminder in the rest of his life because he limped. And maybe you find yourself right now in life at a point where you are limping along. But recognize that God's blessing can be found even in the circumstances of life that are most difficult to face. And He does not want us to just be passive. But to wrestle with Him and to hold on to Him and not let go until you receive that blessing. Let's look to God in prayer. Father, what a fearful and restless night Jacob was having. When in one hand he had your promises that you would protect him, that you would fulfill the promises you had made to him and to his children. And in the other hand, he had evidence that would seem to be the threat of his brother. And on that night, in the midst of that struggle, you approached Jacob. Not, not with words of, of comfort or encouragement, but, but with a struggle, a wrestling match. And Jacob came to see in that wrestling match your very presence. And though he knew he could not win, he was not going to surrender and give up 
until he receives the blessing that he knew you had for him. And then you gave him a blessing. A blessing that lasts to this very day. In his descendants of Israel. And in the spiritual descendants of the Gentiles in the church of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to have that same desire and drive to hold on. But Father, we know that whether we hold on as tight as we could or not, you will hold us. You will carry us through. to that very last day when we will stand in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and receive the blessing, the eternal blessing of being in His presence. It is in His name we pray. Amen.